What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Chaz Pearson in the Outlet Forum podcast with my esteemed co-host, Chris Camello. What's up, Chris? What's up, Chaz? What's up, Laker Nation? Oh, man, it's another great day and another great podcast and another great week of news. How did the Lakers lose to the Los Angeles Clippers last weekend? And are the players behind Coach Vogel more than we think? Dave McManaman dropped an article about that. And is it an end of an era? with Staples Center being renamed the Crypto.com Arena. And we got all of your news and notes in the 94 feet rundown with the Rockets winning streak, Neil O'Shea getting fired from Portland, and we got your favorite social media posts of the week as well. But we got to start off with the Clippers beating the Lakers on their home floor over the weekend with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook all being out on the floor and catching a big fat L. Uh, to a Clippers team that doesn't have Kawhi Leonard, uh, to a Clippers team that's frankly out coaching the Lakers currently with Tyron Lue and a few really good comments that we got from that. Right, Chris? Yeah, it was a very disappointing Friday night. Uh, the Lakers uh, were coming off one of their most impressive wins, but I wouldn't even call it a great win as much as I would call it a dominant half against the Sacramento Kings. I mean, that was we were talking, Chaz, about the lack of convincing wins, right? And we said to ourselves yet again, is this the spark? Is this the turning point? We've been searching for that, for, uh, for this Lakers team that's extremely flawed, that's been extremely inconsistent, that's been extremely frustrating, and really has got Laker Nation on anxiety mode right now. I mean, everybody is upset, anxious, worried, all of the above. So after that win against Sacramento in Sacktown, where they embarrassed them in the second half, took full control, we thought, okay, great. Clippers are struggling. Well, you know, it'll be a rivalry game. LeBron is back. Uh, fortunately, it was a, it was a false positive and, and a false alarm with the COVID situation. It was great to see him back out there. Fully healthy squad with the exception of a reason, Kendrick Nunn. And not only did they lose, but I, I don't know if you knew this about last weekend's loss to the Clippers. It was a wire-to-wire loss. The Lakers never led in that game against the Clippers. And I'll give you one better. The Lakers have not beat the Los Angeles Clippers in the time that since Tyron Lue has been the head coach, they're four Oh and four against the Clippers in that time. And they've only led one time in, the, in those four games. And it was only by two points. So the Lakers had, here's the thing overall. It's the fourth quarter. They score 36 points. They only outscore the Clippers by four points, but they still lose by four points, 119 to 115 in a game where Anthony Davis had 27, 10, and five, and LeBron had 23, 11, and eight. I'm sorry, six and eight. And then Russell Westbrook obviously didn't have a great game. No, but actually had a, key, had a key offensive foul, too, that really halted the momentum of that game and kept the Lakers from, from taking their first lead in, in the final minutes of that. So it was not a good night for Russ in that game. Even Carmelo Anthony had 13 points and Malik Monk actually played very well on the offensive end, which he has consistently done for the most part. It's just the other end of the floor with the Lakers for all players, including LeBron James, who reluctantly self-criticized himself and said that he was terrible on defense 
along with Anthony Davis missing, you know, certain rotations. And that is the name of the game with the Lakers overall. They have to figure out the defensive end. That's their biggest key, and that's their biggest weakness right now that they have to figure out more than anything. They'll be able to score points. They're scoring points in their sleep. Even though I believe that this team isn't better offensively than the championship team in twenty in 2019 and 2020, but I would say that overall they just need to really figure out the defensive end, and if they can do that, then they'll be able to beat teams like the Clippers. But the Clippers are a team that are 12 and 11 themselves currently. And they're not much better than the Lakers, but they don't have Kawhi. Mm. Meanwhile, the Lakers are 12 and 12 now, eight and seven at, at home. And based off of the games that they're playing, they just don't have the fervor, the energy and what they need. And it's time to really stop looking at all of the different parts of the team and taking it for what it is as far as the personnel and what the Lakers have on the floor, right? I think Laker fans have to really understand that this is a, a team that's completely different. And you brought it up and said it on last, last week's show in saying that the Lakers have had different teams in every single year that Anthony Davis has been on the team. Mm-hmm. The, the turnover has been more by what? By more than 50% each year, year over year for the last three years. Yeah. So you're getting used to playing with, not just role players, but major key parts of players, especially when you bring in a player like Russell Westbrook. So I think that the the overall key for the Lakers is finding out that defensive end. But the story of the Laker game against the Clippers last weekend was really the rotations yeah. that were made and the defensive ju- uh, adjustments by Tyron Lue and the lack of adjustments by Coach Vogel. Yeah, and the issue with the Lakers was they just got cooked from the perimeter. I I mean, I want to say that Marcus Morris Sr. and Luke Kennard must have hit combined six or seven threes in the fourth quarter alone. I mean, those guys, just them two, hit as many threes in that game as the entire Lakers squad. Luke Kennard was five of eight from three. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just saying him and Morris combined. Morris was six to nine. So it wasn't just the defense, which was really bad because the Lakers, I I mean, there were a couple of instances where Morris and Kennard hit contested threes. I think Jackson hit a contested three, but then there was a couple of instances when Kennard was wide open in the short corner. And it's like, guys, did you forget that this dude can shoot? I understand you're trying to key in on Paul George and Reggie Jackson. Jackson's a, a big closer for them in addition to PG 13, but you have got to get out to these shooters. So I mean, I mean, pick your poison with the Laker defense. It's either bad, bad half court paint defense, bad transition defense, or bad three point defense. And then, not to mention, your your stars are missing free throws. Anthony Davis, I want to say, missed four or five free throws, a couple of critical ones in the fourth quarter. LeBron missed a couple of big free throws, and every time the Lakers made a mistake or missed a free throw, that's one point of offense, right? If you go one out of two, the Clippers came down on the very next possession and hit a three Chaz, that's a, four, that's a four point swing. That's six to two in, in consecutive possessions. And in a nip tuck game, when you're, you know, the, the game is going back and forth, it's either tied or one point lead or whatever the case may be. Those little things add up. And I just was very disappointed with the Laker three point defense. And they let another 
winnable game against a team not that came in and got cooked by Sacramento, got cooked by the New Orleans Pelicans on their home court, by the way, and they just allowed them to get going. And it's gotten to the point where uh, if you are a struggling player, it's almost like Suge Knight at the Source Awards. Uh, if you are a struggling artist, if you're a struggling player and you need Come to get on down game, and you need to get your game on track, circle the game against the Lakers. They, that'll help you get going in no time. Cause they'll let you, oh, they'll yeah. let you, they'll let you get right back in the game or they may even let you get off from the opening tap. But mm-hmm. overall, I just think that it was Tyron Lue's adjustments. They, the Lakers were running a blitz at Paul George trying to get the ball out of his hands. But Tyron Lue in the fourth quarter made the adjustment to have Malik Monk's man screen for Paul George, bringing Malik Monk out on the switch to Paul George. And then there was a play where Russell Westbrook, who would be guarding Luke Kennard, right? And he would have to either switch on Luke Kennard or the call was to blitz on Paul George. And both times... In, pos- in a possession where the Clippers went up by four points, Lou Kennard was supposed to cut to the basket. Instead of cutting to the basket, he pops out to the corner. Anthony Davis is late on the rotation, and that's Lou Kennard hitting two threes, and then Marcus Morris is the one who hit the backbreaker yeah. that completely – that was literally a bank shot that just literally <laughs> – I felt like it just broke your back exactly. when you're hoping for this win. Um, and and, and it, it's been that kind of season. When you – see a guy like Marcus Morris, who's a very good player, by the way, I know he's been dealing with knee issues and whatnot, but in a game like that, that's nip tuck. And it seems like every three was going in for the Clippers. And then Marcus Morris basically calls, not just calls bank. He calls game on that three, even saying it's over now, like in the final seconds. Cause I think they had like a five or six. Oh, it hurt. Yeah, exactly. But it just goes to show you Chaz, the type of season, the poor defense, the bad offensive execution, which also includes missed free throws and inability to get stops in critical moments has been a reason why the Lakers have dropped the majority of these, of of these games. So, I mean, I really don't know what to say at this point, every time it looks, they come off of a win and it's a convincing win or a nice win. You say, okay, can they build on it? They don't. I mean, when was the last time? And I, I, I can't believe I'm reiterating this. When was the last time they won two in a row? Or three in a row. It's been a really long time. I'll will t- tell you actually right here. Well, in three a in a row, not it, two in a row. I know they won two in a row recently, but see when they won more than two in a row. Well, I mean the Lakers. Remember the mantra of 2019-2020, where AD would say, "Hey, we don't lose two in a row." Yeah, yeah that that's out the window. The Lakers are for <laughs> sure. The Lakers have lost two in a row at least. They've lost three in a row two in a row to they've lost two in a row at least three times already. Yeah. So when you're jumbling up losses like that, that, that's the reason why you're 12. The fact that the Lakers are 12 and 12 after these losses, and they're still not below 500 and at 500 with LeBron missing half the season, you got to still be able to look at it from that lens. But the schedule has been soft. That's the problem. It it had a chance to feast early on in this season, Chaz. That's the problem. You had a chance to build in some equity the way they did two years ago when they went 24 and three. And yeah, they they had a couple of rough rough stretches. I remember they lost four in a row around Christmas time. But even then they were able to rebound from that. You're not just, 
you're not just 12 and 12. You're 12 and 12, and you haven't hit the hard part of your schedule. You haven't played Dallas. Oh, okay, you and, but you, don't, you still you don't have Kendrick Nunge, who's still deal, dealing with the bone bruises in his knee. And he's not going to be back news. this year. I what? No, no. This yes. I mean, I'm sorry. The 21 year he's gonna. Oh, he's, yeah, yeah. That, with, that news came out on on Monday. Yeah. Well, with him, that's only another three weeks or so. So, <laughs> I mean, if, as long as we get him back a little bit before the All Star break to just get, or even at the All Star break or a little bit after, then that's fine. But good news, Laker fans. Trevor Reza has done his first, you know, on contact live drills. Um, and he's actually really, he's been shooting. He's been um, warming up pregame uh, before the games at home and on the road as well. But I believe that Trevor Reza will be playing in his first Laker game uh, this season by the end of this year. And Kendrick Nunn just won't. Okay. Yeah. Uh, hopefully there's no more injuries that are major mm-hmm. coming down the stretch here. Knock on wood. But I just think that the Lakers just need to get a full squad and they have to be able to play defense in a way that isn't lazy. That's I, I, there's no other way to put it. I agree. I, I was, I was, I'm, I was thinking for about a word that was just a little, that sounded a little bit better, but no lazy. That's just what it is. And this is where I I've said it before. This is where the Lakers being joked about being old comes into play. They're just, you don't see them hustling back for loose balls. You see them giving up on plays more often than you see other teams. You see LeBron standing at the free throw line when the ball is, you know, there's a three on two or a four on one break going the other way. You know, it just, it's different to see. And, you know, I was actually on Twitter and I saw somebody's post about just having the appreciation. Now I get it. Now, look, Kobe was not playing defense the way he was in 03, the same as he was in 2014. He just wasn't, right? But there's something to be said about how he just, his approach to the regular season and how he was still able to even notch it up even more than that Mm -hmm. in the playoffs and then even more than that in the finals. So, well, um, I'm not, and and again, I'm not comparing this team or even LeBron to that. I'm just speaking to what the Lakers are not doing right now and what we as Laker fans have seen before and why this is just so not like us. You can't even tell me that the comparisons that some people are making to the 20 or I'm sorry, the 2004 team with Gary Payton and Carl Malone, that team actually won games. That 03 04 team actually won games. That team was 55 and 27 and could have won a hell of a lot more had Malone and And, Peyton not gone down. I'm tired of hearing that too. Yeah. And that is why the comparisons that I'm hearing about that is like, oh, you, the Lakers have all these stars. It's not good overall. And that's more so a national media narrative um, because the end result they believe is going to be the same, not really the road leading up to that. But I just think that the comparison is terrible because you actually have players that were playing good and played for each other. And you still had some youth to that team, right? You still had Devin George. You still had uh, you Kareem know, Rush. Yeah. Kareem, Kareem Rush, Rush. Slava Medvedenko. Fisher, Fisher was Fish. in his prime. Yeah. Yeah. Fisher was in his prime. And Kobe was obviously in his prime. Yeah. Shaq you know, the, only, yeah. the only guys that were really old were the guys that came in. 
Yeah. And Malone was right. still good. Like people forget Carl Malone was really good and he was really good in the playoffs. Unfortunately, he got hurt again in the finals, reactivated that knee injury. And I mean, Detroit was just a historically great defensive team, but even Kobe and Shaq, they, they both took responsibility for that, but we digress. Let's not live in the past. That was 17 years ago. We'll talk about our favorite memories when it comes to that building associated with those uh, early 2000 Lakers in just a little while. But uh, I also want to get into to Frank Vogel. Now, everyone has been talking. There's been murmurs. Is he going to be the next coach to get fired? We saw what happened in Sacramento with Luke Walton, ex-Laker head coach. And I've been a proponent that this was going to be a make or break season because there were going to be even more expectations on Vogel and this team, especially after the acquisition of Russell Westbrook. Now, here's my issue with people pointing fingers at Vogel is – you did not construct this roster with the type of personnel that has made the Lakers a great defensive team over the last two years. You sacrificed some defense, some youth to get more scoring, to get another superstar. And now you become a top heavy team with older role players or role players who are not known for their defense. So to point Oh, it's Vogel's fault. He's not making enough adjustments to on the, on the contrary, I will say this Chaz, he's making so many adjustments because he cannot get the right mix of scoring to defense with the right, with this, with the same five guys every night. And a lot of that has been injuries. A lot of that, which leads to lack of continuity, which leads to different starting lineups. We've seen DJ, we've seen Dwight, we've seen LeBron at center, we've seen AD at center, and yet it's still nothing is clicking. But I don't think it. I don't think it's for a lack of effort for Frank Vogel. And I know McMenamin wrote a good piece about it. We'll get into that in a second. But I just think right now we've got to stop with the blame game with Frank Vogel because I don't even think it's evident to the players that he is necessarily the problem. So I'll start off with the tweet that I actually put out over the weekend and what I thought and what I said overall about this team. And I said, after the Clippers loss, I said, I refuse to believe that the Lakers are actually this bad. I'm not pointing the finger or blaming Vogel just because I have no choice and nobody else to point the finger at. But I truly think that this team could be managed at a much higher level. Coaching is still a key component to winning games, especially in the NBA. Mm -hmm. The players are not the only ones. The coaches are culpable in just in all of this as well. While I completely agree with the sentiment that you have given to Frank Vogel and in the article with Dave McMiniman, where pretty much the players, there are quotes from LeBron in here. Um, one of the main quotes from LeBron James is him saying, we have a lot of guys on this team that have been bulletin board material for quite a long time. So it don't quite bother us. Everything that we do stays in house when it comes to our preparation and how we prepare for our next opponent and how we prepare to get better. Frank doesn't care. And we don't care about what people are saying. So that's LeBron in the article with Dave McMenamin saying that he backs up Frank Vogel. And it's just essentially Frank Vogel's turn to sit on the hot seat. Ty Lue has been there. Blatt has been there. Mm -hmm. Mike Brown has been there. Definitely. Spolstra has been there. Anybody who has ever coached a LeBron James team has been there. Mm 
Yeah. Luke Paul Walton. Silas has been there. Yeah. Luke, Luke Walton, Walton lost his I job mean, that first year with, with LeBron. Yeah. And so I just think, you know, what's funny. It's such a stark comparison. So you hear that quote, right. From LeBron, which is basically like, yeah, this isn't all on Frank, but this does come with the territory. And yet listen, what he had to say about Ty Lu, his former head coach for what was it? Three and a half years in Cleveland after the Lakers lost to the Clippers last weekend. Uh, T. Lewis is great. Simple as that. Um, obviously, you guys know I played for him, and then you know what we were able to do. T. Lewis is great. He's he's great at every facet of the game, um, and uh, don't I don't as a coach, he doesn't have a weakness. He doesn't have a weakness. I mean that, I, and and I and I think LeBron has a soft spot for Ty Lue. I mean they both combine their forces. They brought a championship back to Cleveland. I think that was one of the most special championships LeBron has ever won because of what it meant to him personally. And Ty Lue being the guy that was able to navigate through all of that craziness through those years. I think he's always had a soft spot for Ty Lue. I think Ty Lue always has a special place in his heart, not taking anything away from LeBron's relationship with Frank Vogel. I just think it's different. It's a different relationship. So um, not to mention, let's not forget this. It's no secret LeBron wanted Ty Lue to be the next Laker head coach after Luke Walton was fired. So I'm glad they went with Frank Vogel, but Ty Lue got a lot of crap from people in the media, on social media. He's LeBron's puppet. Uh, he wasn't the real reason why they won those championships. And, and I always said, why are they doing Ty Lue like this when this has not only been a good head coach, who got those Cleveland teams to buy in defensively, put together a solid offensive identity as well, got the best out of both LeBron and Kyrie together, but also a well-respected assistant coach who was a big part of some winning teams in Orlando in 09, Boston in 2010. I mean, he's been a part of some really great teams and great team culture. So this guy knows how to coach basketball players. So I just, I never understood the Ty Lue blasphemy. And I, I don't think LeBron was trying to bash Frank and, and, and uplift Ty Lue and say that Ty Lue's better, but it just was the truth. It, right. But it was interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, that's, that, that's, that's an opinion. That's a conversation for another day, but I'm just saying they're two different coaches. They're both very good in their, in, in uh, with their respective styles. Um, but also I just think LeBron, it was just funny how this quote, was stated about Vogel and unequivocally what he said about Lou about having no weakness. I just thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's, what do you that? I, I, th I think that, well, number one, you know, to answer your question, my personal opinion is that, you know, why, why does coach Lou get more scrutiny, you know, than maybe David Blatt did or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, I would be remiss to say that, if there wasn't a racial component as well in there, um, black coaches always get, you know, triple question, you know, more than, you know, the next guy I should say, but there's also the, the part that he just really thought that was just the truth, right? Mm -hmm. Tyron Lou is a championship coach and Frank Vogel is a championship coach. Mind you, Frank Vogel has a winning percentage of over 64% since he's been in LA, which is, only behind Pat Riley and Paul Westhead and Phil Jackson, of course, the ringmaster. Mm -hmm. um, 
But Frank Vogel has has done a great job in L.A. over the course of the last, what, two year, two and a quarter years now. So he's he's done good. He's hitting a rough patch here. I think personally, he doesn't he doesn't have the personnel for what he's trying to do. I don't think anybody's looked at it from that perspective because you have Wayne Ellington, right? Who's not a great defender. You have Carmelo Anthony. DeAndre Jordan is not JaVale McGee, right? You yeah. you don't have, you know, Malik Monk is not KCP. Facts. Carmelo, I'm um, Carmelo. Carmelo Anthony isn't Coos, even for that matter. As, and let as me just say as, this: Austin Reeves ain't Alex Caruso. And either. Austin not Reeves yet. is not, not yet anyway. <laughs> Alex Caruso. So you've, I mean, you don't. I don't believe it's not buy-in and it's not effort. I mean, it looks like effort, but the more that it goes on, to me, it just looks like the Lakers don't have the personnel to do what it is that Frank wants them to do. And I just think that while Frank Vogel has the full support of, I believe, Jeannie and Palenka and the brain trust and the brass of, of, of the Lakers, along with obviously LeBron James and the rest of the players, he has the full support. Nobody's going to waver against him, but that doesn't mean that this team can't be managed better. That doesn't mean that he can't stagger minutes between the big three better. Now, at the same time, the Lakers do have to play better. Right. Anthony Davis even said it himself in a post game after the Clipper game. You know, as far as far as us, you know, we got to be better. I mean, go up there and take the take your time. Um, let it go. Confidence, you know, um, you know, work on them in practice, shoot them in practice. And hopefully in the game, you know, we, uh, we can knock them down. But I mean, we're getting there often, um, more games than not, but you know, just got to go up there and go two for two or three for three from the line. So there you have it straight from the horse's mouth. We just got to play better. And he also said at one point, another part, we just have to make them when he was asked about his free throws in that Clipper game where he missed four and LeBron James had his misses as well as Russell Westbrook, who is notoriously just had his misses. He's actually shooting the worst of the big three at 68.4% from the free throw line. AD uh, at about 72%. I'm sorry, LeBron at 72% and AD at 74%. So the entire big three is all shooting less than 75% average from the free throw line. And, And and when your game is predicated on being a fast break team and having points in the paint, that's going to rely on getting fouled too. And when you get fouled going into the line, you have to make them pay. Exactly. And that's how you lose games. You lose games on the glass, Chaz. You lose games at the free throw line. You lose games in turnovers. I guarantee you, if you look back at each of those 12 losses for for the Lakers, one, if not two of those things were a big reason why they lost. In addition to things like not getting back defensively and giving up a lot of points in the paint, but rebounds, turnovers, and missed free throws, have, especially in close games, have really done the Lakers in, in the majority of those 12 losses this season. And those are things that they, with their size, they should be cleaning up on the glass with this type of star power that they, that they have, they should be making more free throws with the type, with the type of talent that they have with Westbrook and LeBron, they should be turning the ball over less, but you don't do those little things combined with 
the hustle plays and the energy and, 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 and securing a defensive rebound and getting after guys and running them off the line, guess what? You're going to lose games. That's just what it comes down to. And how is that on Frank Vogel? That's the thing. Those are little things that they should be doing instinctually, and they're not. How is that on Frank Vogel? I think it's both, though, man. I, I really, I really, I, do I disagree think, with that. I disagree with that. But I, go ahead. I, yeah. I, I, I think it's both. It's not, it's not all on the players. I think Frank, it, those two things aren't mutually exclusive. They can both be true. The Lakers players have to make more free throws and play better and, and do all of those things on the court, give effort, not stop turning the ball over. But Frank Vogel can stagger minutes better and give better lineups and, do better with the personnel and make more adjustments on the fly like Tyron Lucan. But I, I do believe that the energy is going to change for the Lakers and the Lakers are going to be able to get it together sooner rather than later. And I'll tell you right, right after the break. You know what? Here's to going for it and being terrible. Here's to giving it a shot, even though your shot is uh, garbage. To being the queen of the court. Oh, maybe not this court. To feeling the burn, even if there shouldn't be a burn to feel. To trying your best, even though your swing is the worst. Here's to going down way harder than you get back up. To giving it your all. Even though you kind of suck. But you know what doesn't suck? <laughs> Trying to do something you've never done before. That doesn't suck at all. Not even a little. Welcome back to the Outlet Forum podcast. Thank you for tuning in every week. Be sure to follow us on all social media platforms at the Outlet Forum on Twitter on Instagram, get, uh, get, give us a like, give us a follow. We got great content coming up every week. And also be sure to uh, follow www.nightcastmedia.com as well. So Chaz, before, Chris. before we hit the break, you left me hanging yet again. Like I'm like, I'm Woody Harrelson from white man can't jump or something. And uh, you know, you just, just kind of walking away from me, man. I got left hanging in the office today. <laughs> and so many people saw it. It was, it was rather embarrassing. No, you. Um, yeah, no. I, it was. I was. I went. To, I went to give uh, somebody a pound, and it was one of the more dramatic ones. But yeah, I didn't mean to leave you hanging, but just had to let you know on the other side of the break that the energy is going to change for the Lakers, and it's going to be not because of what happens on the court, but what it happens in the building that the court is in it is being renamed mm. and on the day that we're talking about this the lakers well not the lakers aeg who owns la live as well as the staples center um has started to take down the name of staples center in the arena on the arena around the arena um, there were pictures oh. on the news of the s the t the a the p e l s um in trucks coming down off of cranes and so end of an with, era with the lakers 
playing in a building that's going to be named the crypto.com arena. I think it actually comes at a good time. It's right at a time where the Lakers need a change in energy, a, sh- a shift of some sort, um, some kind of difference making something. And I don't know if you're superstitious. Some athletes are, some athletes aren't, but this could be something that could be a positive for the Lakers moving forward to maybe win a championship for the first time inside of their newly named crypto.com arena. Could you imagine that'd be $700 million well spent by crypto.com, but it is, it is the end of an era. How do you feel about it, Chris? Just sad. It's like on top of all the struggles that the team has now you're taking away one of the great sounding buildings, one of the, uh, one, one of the, the great buildings over the, uh, one of the great sports venues, let's call it that over the last 20 years. And it's just what made the Staples Center so special to me was it's our generation, Chaz. We're both in our early 30s. We're right around the same age. And I remember I was in the fourth grade when I went to my first Lakers game. It was November 4th, 1999. The Chicago Bulls were in town. Phil Jackson's first year with the Lakers. And he's facing off against his former squad. So I think about those memories. I think about that ticket stub that had the Randy Donuts logo on it. I mean, it was it was just awesome. And what what's also made it more appreciative for me or why I appreciate the Staples Center, aside from the fact that it's just got a nice ring to it, Staples Center, it's just got a nice ring, was when you see all of these buildings, uh, all of these uh, arenas in the NBA the last 15, 20 years all changed their names. Some of them have changed them multiple times it felt like the Staples Center was the last of its kind. Because remember, Portland was the Rose Garden. Then it was the Moda Center. Now it's called whatever, the M. Then you have Cleveland, Gundarina, and then it became... Who, who, who's the, uh, the... the What? The Phoenix Suns have been the Talking oh, Stick Resort gosh. Arena. Now they're the Footprint Center. So, look, yeah. I thought that, you know, even That's the what, Boston Garden yeah, has been that, renamed, but there's, it's still known as... The garden, the garden. And just like Madison Square Garden, isn't it like Chase or something like that? The Chase Center or the Chase Garden or something? No, it's it's not actually. It is actually the only arena, I believe, that doesn't have I thought they changed it. Okay. All right. Well, I stand corrected then. It is they they, Chase is a a huge sponsor of um, I believe it's the same group that owned the forum before they sold it to Steve Palmer. Yeah, Jim Dolan. Um, Jim Dolan's group. Um, that owns uh, what is it? The Yes Network. Yeah, something so, like that. Yeah, I, I, Bomber uh, Bomber just bought the forum in Inglewood from Dolan and that group. Just I so think that way, he didn't have any issues with putting up his arena on the corner of Century and Prairie. But I just, it, for me, my greatest memory of Staples Center would be either the first, very first championship because I've been at every parade that the Lakers have had since moving to Staples Center, except for the 09 parade um, when the Lakers won their fourth or Kobe won his fourth championship. But that very, that very first parade where it was just parking lots, right? Mm -hmm. Where LA live is now where the Microsoft theater is where, you know, a great venue like the Novu where there are great concerts and, you know, yard house and the JW Marriott, all of that is there that was just parking lots. And when I was 10, when I was 10 years old, going to the Laker parade in 2000, after the Lakers beat the Pacers, that was 
the best memory I could have. That's before all the statues. That's before Chick Hearn was out there. Shaq was out there. Gretzky was out there. De La Hoya is out there. Like, this mm-hmm. is before all of that. So, right. you know, you, you, you never know how great something is going to truly be until it ages over time. So I know this is, you know, bittersweet for Laker fans or even L.A. fans, for that matter. You don't even have to like basketball to know that the Staples Center, you know, you could be a hockey fan. I, hockey fans are are affected and by this because sure. they know the Staples Center at Staples Center and the Kings play there, you know, and they won two Stanley Cups in that building. They won 2012 against the New Jersey Devils. They won 2014 against the uh, the New York Rangers. So I, I, that's a great point you bring up. Uh, this not only is affecting Laker fans, this is affecting Kings fans, and I think also Clipper fans as well. The, the, the Clipper fans could give a shit. They're they're out well, of there in two three years. They, they're out that. of there, but they still you know they're still going to be there for the next what two two or three seasons until until the Intuit Dome in, in Inglewood is done. But yeah, right. But they were. But what I'm saying is they were. Staples Center was never synonymous with the Clippers anyway. Yeah, you know, true, true. It was it was more. It was the Lakers. It was the Kings. Hell, even the Sparks won back to back championships in 2001 and 2002. So Taylor <laughs> Taylor Swift has a banner hanging up there yeah, as well. So yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Taylor Swift. It, you know, it's it, it's true. But I mean, I like you, shake you, it we off. Have, shake it off. We've yeah. all we've all had those moments. But I will say this: I'm glad. I had no idea that they were taking down. Well, I knew they were taking it down. I, no one knew what day they were taking it down, unless you were probably the crane worker that was scheduled and knew that it was coming up soon. And I'm no sure one really knew that. Sure so <laughs> the night before was the Javante Davis cruise fight. And I was lucky enough to be there for that fight, which was a great fight that went 12 rounds. Cruise was way tougher than you would have thought he was. You thought I, Javante Davis could have knocked him out, but I mean, man, what a fight that was. What's can I on? say something about my guy Chaz over here? This guy did like, this guy had a 48 hours over here. You know what I mean? Like he's like, he's Deion Sanders going from the Falcons game <laughs> to the Braves game. This guy is in Vegas over the weekend. Then For Sunday, work. then Sunday, by the way, please follow him at Chaz P on the IG and at Chaz Pearson on Twitter, because you will see some stuff on Saturdays and Sundays because this guy is in Vegas over the weekend. Then he, then, then he's tagging himself at, at, at SoFi stadium at the Rams game. And then, then he's at the cruise fight at Staples center, dude, my goodness, what a weekend. I mean, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I had a I had a guys only dinner for with my crew for Christmas and everything like that. And I thought I was doing something uh, big. That's small potatoes compared to how you're living, big dog. That was that was just that was just it just happens that way, man. I'll be honest with you. I I, I just so happen to be a Rams season ticket holder, right? So that's already done. Um, I was actually going to sell the Jaguars tickets, but. I knew it was going to be OBJ's first touchdown and he did catch one for the first time. Somebody's clairvoyant then. Yeah. Chester Domus. Yeah. So I I want, I wanted to see that. And I was in Vegas for, for work. I obviously had a little fun out there as well. It's Vegas. Oh yeah. Work was out there for, for a work meeting. And then also uh, just had, had tickets to the, to the fight from a few months ago, but uh, yeah, man, I, it's, it, it was a good time. And getting back to my point, I just, I have a picture from out after the fight. I'm walking out mm. and I say, Hey, it's, it's staple. It still says Staples center up there. So 
I just decided to take a quick flick and, you know, show myself right in front of Staples Center where it still says it there. And the next morning, I see that it's taken down. I, I mean, it doesn't feel great. But look, we'll, we'll get over it. We'll still call it. I, I like what John Ireland said. And by the way, just, you weren't the only one that took a flick. Um, there you go. Yeah, you weren't the only one that took a, a flick, which, by the way, is, is a movie. I actually just took a pick, P-I-C, uh, with me and my girl at our very first game at Staples Center. And one of the last times it's going to be called Staples Center and a triple overtime game. It was meant to be going to this yeah. game, even, even amidst the Laker loss. And I said to myself, Carla, let's take a pick because I don't know how much longer this marquee is going to stay as it is because uh, they're going to be changing that sooner than later. Anyway, and go we, ahead. You, you were, and, you and we got that. it. And, and, and we, and we were able to, I'm glad we were both able to take those pictures because now, I mean, I wonder what it's going to look like, right? I, you think they're going to debut it on Christmas and kind of cover it up or we're going to see him putting it on. I don't, I don't know exactly, but I just, we're, we're going to get over it. We're still going to call it LA. I'm going to call it LA live. John Ireland says, Hey, we're, you know, we're just going to call it LA live. And that's just what it is. Yeah. I think what a lot of, I don't know if like- I'm going to call it, Hey, you want to meet me at the crypto.com center? Yeah. Yeah. No, I want to go to crypt, the, the crypt, man. Let's go to the crypt. It just sounds like it's not LA man. Yeah. You know, uh, the crypt. I'll tell you this. That would be a great name for like Portland's arena. You know what I mean? A, a place where opponents go to die or something. <laughs> the problem is, problem is, uh, the, the the opponents don't die at Staples Center. At least not when they play the Lakers. They 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 are very much alive. But no, it's just it's crypto.com. If it had just been like the you know crypto arena or the crypto center, I I, I guess that would have been better. But I think the dot com, and I think Ramona Shelburne even pointed that out. It just adds just an element of just lame cheesiness. Uh, just not a very well thought out name, but like you said earlier, partner, $700 million, you can call it anywhere, anything you want. If somebody gave me $700 million and said, Chris Camello has got to change his name to Morty something, Morty Seinfeld, <laughs> then I guess I'd have to change it to that. You know, how much, who's going to turn that? How much, how much was the BB go deal? Wasn't that like 500 million or something or something crazy? Or a couple hundred million dollars, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe it was exactly a hundred million, 10 million a year for 10 years or something like that. But either way, uh, Tim Harris, the COO of the Laker organization has had a hell of a year with these deals with BBGo and crypto.com bringing in all kinds, bringing in close to a billion dollars over the next 10 years to help pay for salaries of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook. Uh, to continually do, you know, upgrades to the team and the organization sure. and, and and just, you know, doing the things that keeps you as a relevant top organization within professional sports. But- yeah, but I will say this. Let me just point out this little caveat here. Some things are bigger than money. Some things are bigger than just selling our souls to the highest bidder. There's a, such a thing, especially in a town like L.A., that loves its teams like their own and the players, like they're like members of their own family. There's some things that just remain special that you don't want to touch and keep pure and and not mess with. That's what makes the Lakers, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Knicks, the Celtics, uh, the Red Sox. So it makes these organizations specifically so well-respected, so well-known. It's because 
they don't change a lot of things. They are adhering to more traditions because they know what that means to their fans. That's the only thing I'll say about changing the name. I agree. I actually agree with that point, but we don't, because we were 10 years old, we don't remember what it was like for people that were our age back in 2000, where they had to call where the Lakers played Staples center instead of the forum. Mm. Right. So there was that big transition 21 years ago when that happened, obviously that's a little different here because that's like renaming the form Staples center, which would have never gone over well, which is probably why renaming Staples center crypto.com arena isn't going to go over very well at all. And, but business is business and that's just what it is, but getting to the business of the league in which the Lakers play of the national basketball association we got to pick it up 94 feet and get and get you news from all around the league. And we have to start with the Rockets winning streak. They've won six games in a row. One of those games in overtime against the Charlotte Hornets. They beat, albeit against OKC twice, which is pretty much the worst team in the league, which the Lakers have also lost to twice, both of which where they had double digit leads, but I won't go there. I won't go there. Um, the Lakers play this team um, or have played this team and will play this team a few more times. But what do you make of the Rockets winning six in a row and getting to a whopping seven and 16 on the season? They made history. No team in the history of professional sports, the, the four main leagues, NBA, MLB, NHL, NFL, had ever lost 15 straight games and then won six in a row. So there is an element of randomness to it. Fifteen but I, straight. But I, I got to tip my cap to that Rockets team, to those kids and and the few vets that are still there from the old D'Antoni era, from the old um, uh, Daryl Morey era. They're playing hard. I mean, heck, even in those games against the Lakers, they didn't exactly go away quietly. The one game they got blown out, they only lost by 10. And the other game, it came down to the final seconds. Jalen Green had a chance to to win the game on a a three-pointer, and and it clanked out at the last – uh, at the last uh, second of the game. So congrats to the Rockets. Congrats to Steven Silas for keeping these guys focused, for implementing more team-oriented offensive style. And by the way, that's a team that's lottery bound, but yet they've still done something that the Lakers haven't done this year. They've won six in a row. They've gone on an extended winning streak, which the Lakers have not done. So if anything, it just goes to show it, it again furthers the uh, the flaws that is the LA Lakers, but shout out to the Rockets playing the game the right way, catching their opponents, snapping and, and taking in full advantage of it. And Christian Wood showing himself to be a really nice player in this league. So uh, really, really good stuff in, in Houston, but we'll see how long it lasts. Eric Gordon still playing, but I forgot that he even still played for them who he yeah. played for, who, he you know, I got, yeah. he had, he had, 20, he, had 20, he had 24, uh, the other night against the Orlando Magic in a 118-116 win as well. Uh, also, going around the league, we have to also talk about what's going on with Neil O'Shea and the mm. Portland Trailblazers. For those of you that don't know, Neil O'Shea was, was the general manager of the Portland Trailblazers, and he is the architect of the team that has lost year after year after year while having one of the best players in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say probably the best point guard in the league outside of Stephen Curry. Um, 
some people would argue that it was Kyrie at one point, definitely not now since he's not on the court, but he has been a part of this team and he's now out. He's been fired by the Portland Trailblazers. There was an investigation open uh, where there was news and a story that broke that he had uh, put together and was a part of a culture that was not conducive to a professional setting for what the NBA standards were um, as well as, you know, decisions that he, he had made and it was confirmed during this investigation, he was fired uh, for reasons that were undisclosed um, that just said that he broke NBA protocols and rules uh, with what type of environment that he was setting uh, within the front office and within the organization of the trailblazers. So what's your takeaways from Neil O'Shea being ousted and where did the Portland trailblazers go from that from here uh, with new leadership, possibly two words, clean house. It is time to clean house up in up in Portland. Uh, you know, for years, I had a lot of respect for Neil O'Shea. Uh, he had some good years with the Clippers. Uh, he was sort of the last of that Donald Sterling era. I thought he did a really good job in Portland, building a winning team with limited resources. He drafted well, made savvy trades. I, I still think the Yusuf Nurkic trade was one of the savviest, low-key, under-the-radar steals that we've seen over the last 10 years. Uh, hired a good coach in Terry Stotts. Unfortunately, they just couldn't get over the hump every year. They kept running into the Golden State Warriors or or the uh, the Lakers in 2020. It happens. They just couldn't get over that hump. But when I heard some of these things, and that investigation, Chaz, came right on the heels of what was going on in Phoenix with the Robert Sarver, which we still haven't gotten any closure on that. The NBA is still conducting their investigation. But I just felt that where the team is at right now, uh, with Chauncey Billups clearly struggling to get any sort of consistency out of those guys, it was time for them to move into a new direction and just kind of cut ties at this point. So I think what this could signal is the end of that era. And you've got Dame Lillard, you've got Nurkic, you've got CJ McCollum, you've got Norman Powell and Robert Covington. You have some tradable assets here where you could get some nice young pieces, maybe some draft picks. I don't know what the future is. And what's so interesting is that Dame Lillard has been so adamant. Oh, I want to stay here in Portland. I want to build something here. I want to go the Kobe and Dirk and uh, Tim Duncan route where I want to spend my whole career with one team. But now that may not be his decision anymore. And if another acting GM says on the orders from ownership, basically saying, get rid of all these guys, let's just scrap the heap and start over because let, let's, let's be honest. They could, they're a play in low level playoff team. They're going to be ousted in the first round anyway. They ain't going that far. And you could tell the players are not motivated. They're dejected. They've mentally checked out. So this is definitely a time for them to clean house, start fresh, maximize the value of, of, of those three or four guys, and start for, and, and just go into a different direction. What do you think? I think that the person that comes in to replace Neil O'Shea is going to try and make their own legacy. And it's going to try and be swift and quick. They're either going to do one of two things. They're either going to be the, the, the hero that saves the day and keeps Dame and honors Dame's request, which is being reported now that Dame, uh, Damian Lillard wants to play with Ben Simmons. I think they would play great together. Yeah. Personally. But where? Um, I think that they could play in Port Portland together. So I think either the new GM will come in and trade for Ben Simmons and give Dame his wish. 
to to help entice him to stay after his next contract. Also, I think that or he'll either trade Dame and be the guy that traded Damian Lillard away and kickstarted what could be, you know, an, uh, another team and another reiteration of the Portland Trailblazers. They have had many of teams going back to the 70s, even going with Bill Walton, 90s with Clyde, Clyde the Glide, you know, in the 2000s with the teams that they had with, with Rasheed Wallace as well, mm-hmm. to even, you know, in the 2010s with Damian Lillard and CJ. They've had reiterations of great teams that never won championships outside of Bill Walton's teams. In but the it 70s. was a short rebuild. Yeah, I, I hear what you Well, yeah, they're, they're, they're shorter rebuilds. So they could, yeah. they could, they've seen what it looks like. They know what it feels like to go through. If it were me, that would be the route that I would go if I was a new GM. I would I would hate to be known as the guy that traded away Damian Lillard, but but the problem you, is the problem is with uh, is Philadelphia is like getting guys like Nurkic and, and McCollum enough to get Simmons out of Philly because Simmons value is still high. This is still an all-star caliber player here. So how can you navigate that move without including somebody like Dame? If you, I, I just I don't know if Daryl Morey's gonna let that fly. The Trailblazers have so many assets that they could trade, including picks and good players, that they could easily get a third team involved. Easily. Perhaps. Like that's not even that's not even a question. That yeah. that's that's one, two phone calls away. It's harder to do when you're a new GM. Now, depending upon who the GM is and what his relationships are, right? That might be a motivating factor for ownership for the Portland Trailblazers to look at when they hire the new GM. Okay. Who's more connected. We know, okay. The ownership may already have the decision in hand that they're going to trade Dane. Yeah. That's Paul and Allen's now, uh, widow. She's, she's now, running now we, now we might as well just hire somebody that we know is going to do the best job at doing it, you know? So, or we might hire the best job guy that or girl, but mainly guy that's going to get Ben Simmons for Dane and, and get him to stay somehow longer than I believe the two or three years that he has left on his contract, maybe two years, I believe. So I just, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how every, how everything goes down and it's going to be interesting to see if it's this season. And I just, just looking one, one more thing before we get to our favorite social media post, And that's something I'm really excited for. Just look at what the Chicago Cubs just did in baseball. They traded off like three or four of their all-star guys like it was nothing. Javier Baez, Chris Bryan, Anthony Rizzo were all gone by the deadline, signaling that it's time for them to rebuild. And I could totally see Portland going that same route where it's just like, we've got to clean house now. It's going to suck for our fans for a few years. But like you said earlier, if we've learned anything from Portland, their down years have not lasted that long where they've had one or two down years, a good lottery pick with Dame Lillard, go back to LaMarcus Aldridge before that. And then all of a sudden they are a playoff caliber team again. So we shall see what happens, but I think, you know, you're saying salvage the Dame situation. I, I think it's a little bit past that because who you get in return for with trading the likes of Nurkic and McCollum and whatnot. I, I don't know if that's going to be enough to land a Ben Simmons or somebody on par of a Ben Simmons to, to make Dame happy. But Hey, I've been wrong before Chaz. I'm just a guy who's this that guy? you have that you have. Who's this, who's this guy? Who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> just to close out the show, man, it was a fun weekend. There was a lot going on from NBA basketball to obviously NFL football. We got college basketball really, 
you know, starting to pick up. And then obviously you had college football and their football playoff. I'm sorry, college football playoff selections going down over the weekend with those final games. And you had a huge boxing match as well, followed by some quotes by Floyd Mayweather about Canelo. Um, <laughs> Floyd's great. Uh, but there, for there's, a lot, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff on social media, a lot of stuff. Uh, that was seen what is your social media post of the week okay so it is in relation to the lakers there's this guy i think it's a guy at lake show yo and he's got a great emoji by the way or a great symbol as his uh pick it's it's like a gremlin with a laker hood on and the gremlin is like you know got a sad face yeah yeah we we all know lake show yo yeah lake show yo he's awesome so i I saw this tweet a few days ago and it says, I want a refund at Lakers. Y'all let role players have the game of their life. Every time, (laughs) every time, every time. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier, man, the Lakers bring out the best in their opponents. So this guy probably spent, and he looked like he had some great seats, by the way, I want to say probably the one, the 100 section, 117 section, similar to where I was sitting at the Sacramento game a few weeks back. And like you spend that kind of money to see the Lakers lose to the hallway rival Clippers. That ain't right. And to quote Chris Rock from head of state, that ain't right. So yeah, that was, that was my favorite. That ain't right. That ain't right. right. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. You got that movie. RIP Bernie Mac, by the way. RIP my brother. Um, Yeah, man. A lot lot of, a lot of funny stuff. My, my one, mine is from um, at I'm underscore disgusted uh, bozo more slander account. Somebody who's clearly not a fan of Baysmore calls him bozo more. <laughs> slander I already like where this is going, but go ahead. <laughs> he said, man, Ty Lue adjusted to Vogel trapping scheme in one possession, bruh. Vogel can't adjust to stuff he's seen the last two years. Now, I, I replied to it as well. I thought it was a great tweet, something that had me going. Um, but I had to come to the defense of Frank Vogel a little bit. I said a little hyperbole in the second sentence uh, with saying that, you know, he hasn't adjusted to stuff in the last two years because clearly he has, or else the Lakers wouldn't have won a championship. But True. a little hyperbole on the second sentence, but this is the exact energy that people that know basketball have about Vogel right now. This will cost him his job if he's not able to correct this ASAP. So back to what we were saying earlier in the show, you think that it has more so to do with the players and the players playing. I think it has something to do with both the players playing and Frank managing the team better uh, with the lineups and him also, quite frankly, not having the personnel to do what he really wants to do. Or, you know, I don't want to question his intellect, but I mean, Ty Lue is making adjustments on the flight to get Luke Kennard and Marcus Morris open shots. You can't do that a little bit better for Wayne Ellington and Malink Monk and THT. Exactly. You know, so I don't know, but also at the the end, at the end of the day, he's got to make better adjustments for sure. And I, and I like that post, by the way, Uh, I think people have said great things about Ty Lue's adjustments, whether they think he was a LeBron puppet, which I think is very offensive and unfair, but also, keep in mind, that group basically ran it back, Chaz. The group that the Clippers are running out there was the group that they ran out there for a month 
after uh, uh, to end the Utah series and the semifinals into the the Western Conference Finals against Phoenix. So they basically have everyone back. They didn't make any wholesale changes. A tweak here, a tweak there, and that's been it. So when you know your personnel and you've been with them now for a year plus, yeah, it's a little bit easier to make adjustments. But I definitely like that guy's post. Bozo more too. That's awesome. <laughs> Bozo more. Oh man. Well, that'll that'll do it for this week's edition of the Outlet Forum Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We got content coming every week, week in and week out. Thank you to Nightcast Media for supporting us and giving us the platform. Uh, you guys know where to follow me on Instagram at Chaz P and on Twitter at Chaz Pearson. Follow us on the Outlet Forum on instagram and twitter that's the outlet form chris where can they follow you you can always follow me on twitter at chris underscore camello i'm also on instagram c camello one facebook yeah don't judge me uh camello's corner by chris camello go and get all of the merch i gotta support my guy aldell del toro with can't beat la and his brand i'm actually wearing the hat right now for anybody that's a Laker fan, got to, got to support my dog. But much appreciated. Another great week. We're going to have some great stuff for you guys next week because the Lakers have some pretty big games coming up. They're going out on the road. They're playing quite a few different teams, including Orlando, as well as a big game that's coming up against Memphis, as well as a huge game against the Boston Celtics mm. at hey, home. Got to get that payback. Gotta got to get that gotta get, payback. Got to get that payback. So let's see if the Lakers will be able to pick up some big wins, maybe get a few games above 500 for the first time. I don't know. We'll we see. Shall, don't, we shall see. And be sure to, absolutely. And be sure to download and follow all of our podcasts on all major streaming platforms, Spotify, Google play, iTunes, iHeartRadio. Thanks again, everybody. Take care. Peace. Peace.